<laughs> Hello and everyone, welcome to you. My name is Marion Rose, PhD. I took a big breath there. And I'm so delighted to have Chiara Rossetti with me today. Chiara, you're an aware parenting instructor and you're here to talk about your journey with aware parenting and your version of homeschooling. So welcome, welcome, lovely. Thank you, Marion. Thank you. We seem to be meeting like this more and more. It's quite lovely after a long hiatus of nothing. I know. It's so um, lovely. <laughs> it's lovely. And thank you for doing this and spreading this modality, actually both modalities out into the world, the um, homeschooling and aware parenting. Oh, so, my yeah, pleasure. looking forward to this. I'm really winging it. I've taken some notes. I have listened to Joss and Leah, this, you know, I loved what both of them have to say, so I hope I'm not just repeating what they say. Um, but, you know, I, I love hearing people that are as passionate about both of these modalities as I am and as you are. Yes. And um, really looking forward to seeing how this is going to unfold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So exciting, hey? So um, you know the... the the kind of format that we went with before in those past two. So I'd love to hear and share with the listeners about your coming to aware parenting. What was it you loved about it? How did it happen? What, anything else you want to share? Sure. Okay. So I'll try and squeeze 14 years into a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, I, I do that I, <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a sole parent of two children. One is 17. One is now 14. And I came to a pet where parenting when my 14 year old son was four months old and my daughter was three years old because I was pulling my hair out about sleep issues. And luckily I had Joss holding my hand throughout, you know, the, the nightmare that is babies waking every 45 minutes because we believed that babies communicated to us by making pips and squeaks and cries and agitating their bodies. So we always just fed them. And now the problem, it seemed to work with Luca. She was, you know, seemed to work. She was all right. But with Omri, every time I fed him, he would vomit. And part of me, you know, my extremely tired self was just thinking, this is not right. Not right. He I don't think he needs this much food. He was also really fat, but you know, you're told you can never over breastfeed, just keep going with it. So that's what I did. But it was, I just knew all along that it wasn't food that he needed. And he was getting connection. He was strapped to me and, you know, he was not being overstimulated. You know, all the other boxes were being ticked. It was just this one missing link. And we read every book out there that was more you know not the harsh control crying ones but you know the pinky mckay and the we called it the no sleep cry solution instead of the no cry sleep solution um, and when i say we i meant joss because we were sort of on this path together and then one day i found your article in a tiny little advert sorry in kindred magazine when he was four months old and you know i your children not sleeping something along the line i called you straight away you happen to be available and have not looked back since marion and I realized that Omri did just need to cry. And so I could space out his feedings much more. And it, it took me a while to be able to change my thinking. Um, 
and you know it was Can a lot always can i pause you for a moment because sure. I, know, I know you know that when you say he just needed to cry you know that you are that means holding him in loving arms but for people who may be a bit newer to aware parenting i just want to say of course that is whilst you're holding him and absolutely all his needs all of that absolutely that's the the key piece you know and i know that's still confronting to a lot of people i know you know, even my um, father, when he would watch me very confidently hold my children and they would scream and, you know, they, sometimes the back would be arching and, you know, it, it's quite terrifying and they can get damn loud. And I remember my mum my always sort of understood what I was doing. My, my dad actually thought that I was damaging my children by allowing them to cry. And I know even his father had trouble with it, but there was always that little sort of that piece of that that piece that demonstrated that after their cry they were just different children they were so centered and they looked different they were soft and there was no sort of bodily kind of stresses you could I mean it was undeniable and then from there it just went on and so in, you know simultaneously I was helping Luca with tantrums because that was another you know that sort of the older version you know she was three at the time so actually being allowed to tantrum until the tantrum came to a full natural end you know again loud I remember thinking the neighbors are going to think I'm beating my children up you know so that was you know not always easy but I also started to realize that when she could have her stress releasing at home with me staying close by I could see that she didn't need to do it when she was out and about. She didn't need to do it when she was getting strapped into the car like she used to. She didn't need to, to do it in public. So we could sort of, you know, help her at other times where I could then feel really, you know, when I was feeling safe enough to allow all this loudness to occur. Um, and I just kept seeing more and more beautiful results, Mary. And it was, you know, it's, it, it's my, to this day, it blows my mind and I'm grateful every day for having discovered this because now I have two really well-adjusted beautifully centered teenage children who are zero bother at all you know sometimes I joke with them and say look I think you should be a little bit more bother bothersome and you know can you go and do some something quote unquote naughty um you know they're not perfect but they're absolutely you know when crying needs to happen most of the time it happens my boy doesn't cry as easily as my daughter in fact he hardly cries now at 14 but luca can really sob from you know from her in from her toes up you know in and then she clears it and is ready to move on from that beautifully centered place and the thing i love the most if i had to sort of put an umbrella term to it all is just the the depth of connection that I have with with my children and as a result with myself because it's you know I've been parenting myself while parenting my children and you know I'm now able to al allow feelings that before I would have chewed my nails through or you know had some other coping mechanism and um I just yeah I just love every minute of it and then it naturally led on to wanting to homeschool my children. They did, when Omri was three, he was at playgroup, and Luca, when she was five, did playgroup and was at kindy. 
And again, at the back of my mind, I always knew that homeschooling was what I wanted to do, but I just didn't think it was feasible. I didn't, hadn't met anyone. I didn't know there was communities that, that did this. So we sort of went with the, we were in the Steiner School at the time because it sort of seemed like the more gentle of, of all the schools that were available to us. Um, it still never sat right. It, I felt like they were just too young. Luca never really wanted to go into class and you know, the teachers would always say, no, that's your stuff, Chiara, that's you not being, you know, they, I think they told me to let the apron strings out and I complied, but just always felt like actually they don't need, they don't want to be away from home. They, especially Luca, who was quite shy, Omri was a bit more gregarious. Anyway, when, when Luca was five, I met a, a wonderful woman in our local park who was homeschooling and had a huge chat with her and pulled the kids out of school and never looked back so here we are still homeschooling Luca's in her last year of school she's doing an online online TAFE course at the moment um I see how totally different their learning styles are I've really on this homeschooling journey been able to to learn how both of them enjoy learning what they enjoy learning. I've been able to step out of the way and allow them to lead the way a lot of the time. Um, don't love the term homeschooling. Don't love the term unschooling. It often equates to unparenting. Actually don't like the word schooling at all. <laughs> you know, school, unless you're talking about fish. So, you know, for want of a better word, we do use the term natural learning. Although even that sounds a bit, you know, when people, when I say that to people, they look at me sideways and go, well, what's that? What's that? Um, so, you know, I, I still haven't found terminology that I love. I, I really basically, we're living life around and with each other. They're allowed to explore whatever they want to explore. I did give them... You know, we, we have a moderator in, in Western Australia who does check up on us once a year. She's wonderful and very supportive. So we have had to, you know, tick a few boxes along the way and we've had to do a little bit of book work, um, which is interesting because Luca always, my daughter Luca always loved learning and loved books and would just pick them up or, you know, from a young age would always want to know what words said and what letters those were. Omri, my son, on the other hand, much more sporty, likes to move a lot, likes to learn sort of more kinetically and is, you know, much less quote-unquote academic. So came to reading and writing and arithmetic far later in life. And it's just fascinated me to, to watch how different they can be. Because, you know, before I had kids, I thought it was how I raised them, but I'm really seeing that the, the nature-nurture thing is... Definitely a piece in here. They're both very self-motivated, um, both very different in every aspect. But they're at the end of the day, they're they're happy and they're bright and they're healthy, and they're fabulous. Really, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, I know I'm biased, but they're really, you know, they're really great kids, and yeah. I attribute that to a stress stress-free life I mean this life will always send stresses but you know we we eat when we want we sleep well I'm a bit strict about bedtime 
I'm also still a bit strict about screen time. I don't want them on computers all day long. Um, it's, I, I really believe we need to move our bodies a lot more. So we spend a lot of time outdoors, a lot of time at the beach. Um, and they're just home now. I don't know if you can hear them coming in the door. I did say, be really quiet <laughs> on the podcast. But, um, yes, so there's my rant and my babble and my... Love, 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 love hearing your passion. My words. So yummy. Um, so I'd love to, to dive in a bit more to some of those things. And I would love to hear also, what do you love about combining... So you talked about them being the two modalities. What do you love about aware parenting and natural learning together? How do you see them together oh i hardly know where to begin it's almost like they've sort of amalgamated and emerged to become this one beautiful entity that again is just our life um there are some things that i that do come to mind i do remember when they were younger and we did i mean we just had to tick those those boxes off for the moderator and i noticed that if my children were feeling a little bit pent up a little bit you know, antsy and stressed. They, they just could not sit down and learn. It's, it just wasn't, you know, they couldn't sit down for starters. They needed to sort of, you know, especially on weeks, needed to move much more. And I realized that if that was in a school setting, he'd probably been diagnosed with some kind of, you know, attention deficit disorder, which is, you know, absolutely not what he has because he can concentrate on anything if he has, you know, released anything that needs to be released through laughter more so than crying. Or movement but I I really saw that piece of aware parenting when they were younger so if we could deal with the emotional aspect then everything else would naturally fall into place and if not I mean I remember you know like almost being stabbed with a pencil by my son one day because I was pulling my head out you have to do this boring maths and he's going oh, I don't want to do it and you know literally how we expect children to be able to think when their reasoning centers of their brain are crumbling because of emotions is just beyond me. I know we can do it and they can be forced and trained into doing it, but you know, thank God my children <laughs> never have to do that. And you know, as a result, I also see that, you know, even my daughter now that she's doing an online TAFE course, when she's feeling like doing it, she'll just go and do it. I never have to stand over her with a whip. She just does it and she's taught herself so many beautiful things. She goes and she teaches herself guitar and ukulele and she's interested in she's learning to code stories online and you know it's really involved and I've never had to you know ask her to do it. She's just if she's felt like it she's done it and I love that they also are so aware of when they feel like doing it or not yeah. and you know I remember being in the school system and always saying to my parents well, I don't really feel like doing my homework. And the answer was always like, well, if you wait until you feel like it, it'll never get done. But that's not true, you know? It's just not, not true at all. I mean, I, I know it's not always a perfect system. And sometimes you do have to push yourself a little bit into doing things you don't necessarily want to do. But ironically, we're laughing at the moment because um, April 1st, a couple of days ago, was going to be the day that Omri really concentrated on his writing because he actually asked to if I could help him improve his writing. He's gone and broken his arm, hasn't he? His oh, right arm. So how's oh, <laughs> that wow. for getting out of wow. <laughs> I know, I know. So, so yeah, so sorry, I've gone off track a bit. So well, no, it doesn't seem to be him, Thomas. Yeah, going well, back. So it's like he wasn't willing, wasn't really willing. 
Maybe. No, not, you know, at all. It's just, yeah. And, you know, and it was a certain things like he was really not wanting to go on these long beach walks that I go on every day. And he, he could, he has the choice to stay home. But I think I was like, oh, you just did that to get out of the beach walks. You can't even walk with your heavy cast at the moment. But oh, it's, um, yeah. But, you know, going back to the aware parenting part, I really don't know how our homeschooling journey would have gone without that piece of the puzzle. Yes. I'm sure we would have, you know, got through it somehow, but it would have been a totally different flavour. It would have been much more stressful. And, you know, I'm always really inspired by those great minds like Sir Ken Robinson and, you know, John Holt and Alfie Cohen, those people that really understand and respect children and they treat them as human beings. Because I think so many times we expect so much of children you know, even the school system alone, you know, it's such a anti-nature and, you know, it's just not natural at all to expect children to sit when our bodies are designed to, to move in natural ways and, you know, sit there and under often quite horrific lighting as well, all that flickering affects their brain. So I also love that our my children can you know we've learned under trees we've learned at the beach we've you know at our kitchen table we've done book work on the floor in the bed I really love yes. that part of homeschooling yeah and at the end of the day it all comes back to connection again doesn't it Marion you know safety and connection and that emotional being in touch with their emotions because to me that's really what makes life so rich yes it's um so yeah i've got I've, I've just i'm probably one of homeschoolings and aware parenting the biggest fans or that's one <laughs> claiming that i am purely because of the richness it's given us and the... if you had a if you had a poster like aware parenting and natural learning and it's like a poster advocating for the two as as one of their biggest fans what would it what would it you know what are the key things that you would have i mean i know that it's just like saying what you've already said but what would you love people to who are perhaps interested already perhaps are already into aware parenting thinking about i just i love that the whole aware parenting journey has made parenting it's you know it's not always the easy route but it is absolutely the most worthwhile route because again i hate to use the word connection again and again but it just connects me so deeply to my inner life and my inner peace and my heart really and I can see it does the same for my children and once that peace is in place then you know we can we can go out into the world in a much better state we can be kinder to people we can help people we can it's sort of an expansiveness that it gives me and then on top of that you know logistically and practically not having to rush to school and fit within the confines of the nine to five or the nine to four, whatever the hours are and, you know, making lunches, that expensiveness is translated into that, you know, into our lives like that. So we've just got more time to kind of just be. And yes. that to me is, is such a huge gift. I also on the poster, I really, I love that image of 
stepping out of the way and allowing children to find what they love because once they find their passion as you know sir ken robinson one of my heroes i'll keep mentioning him oh yeah i love you know it. what's his that his book his you know book that, amazing uh, amazing and he's, he's got a talk it's not a ted yeah. talk but he's got a talk that's sort of illustrated and it's just you know, like really being in your element where all time and space just sort of blend into one or are not even a thing. And, you know, my son, Omri, I'm always a bit, I don't know how he, well, I do know how he came to it, but he's, he's actually a Kendama champion. And you he'd say, what is a Kendama? Yes, what is it? It's an ancient <laughs> Japanese toy. So what oh happened? I just love this. I'm loving the similarities. I'll ca but carry on. There's well, it's, it's a skill toy. So, you know, yeah. there used to be a yo-yo that he was into because he likes to move. And when COVID happened um, last March and everything shut down, so he was a skateboarder and a scooterer. And, you know, Omri's always very, when he loves something, he's dedicated, you know, like he got a unicycle when he was young and he, that was it. He was out on it until he could learn, you know, he's totally the opposite of me, but he's just, if he loves it, he will fully focus and learn to do it. And, you know, and he'll take it to however he, you know, wherever he wants to take it and then either keep continuing or he'll it'll morph into something else. So when um, everything shut down and all the skate parks shut down, all the um, scootering community started doing either yo-yoing or, you know, poi or the circus, you know, things with their hands. And kendama just happened to be one of the things that was, was popular. So it's that, I'll just, um, for the benefit of the listeners, it's a wooden handle with a ball on the top attached by a string and most people think well all you do is you catch the ball which you do but there are loads of tricks you can do with it anyway so he discovered this did it so much got himself on instagram um had a little following and now is fully sponsored as a kendama player and gets you know gets t-shirts and kendama sent to him and then we've also met a beautiful kendama community and we meet these fabulous mainly young men there's a few women in the in this the sport quote unquote um and you know we, we we meet up with them and they all trade skills and film each other and it's just you know who i would know i would have been like what no way what and you know i know it seems a bit frivolous to people but he's doing something he loves it's like a moving meditation for him and i just love watching how passionate he is about it and you know, the life skills that go with that is, you know, he's at 13, actually, he's learning how to deal with sponsorship and all the things that come with sponsorship and the legalities. And, you know, it's just been such a learning curve there. But I've let him do it all. I don't get involved at all. And um, it's quite the only time I do get involved is I quite like doing it as well. So we have we have special time and you know get you know he teaches me and loves to teach me and i have this joke that i'm going to have a page one day called kend mama kendama <laughs> he's i promised him i will not be doing that <laughs> but um you know that's just an example of, of a, a child being allowed to do what they want but you know yes. in, a, in a productive way not as in you know allowed to just go and destroy things and be a hoodlum i <laughs> meant like you know following his passion Yes. And with Luca, it's music, it's, it's guitar playing. And, you know, when we, she was younger, we, did, we, we had piano lessons and all that sort of stuff, but she just wasn't really that interested in it. So we got rid of the piano. And then when she was ready, mom, I'd love a guitar, taught herself, plays beautifully, plays with her friends, ukulele. And, you know, it's, um, and this is just one aspect of their lives. You know, there are lots of other things that they love doing. Yes. But... Again, it comes down to 
because of the aware parenting bit, they've been able to really, there's no, there's no noise on top of yeah. their lives. They're just, you know, they have enough clarity and enough motivation because they're not sort of spending all that energy trying to deal with emotions or control patterns and all the other things that, yeah. that come up. So. Yeah, so yummy, and you know, I am. Yeah. I'm having that. Do you know why I interrupted you? Is because Sunny, uh, my son, is uh, 14 as well, and also he's really passionate about Japanese. So he's learning Japanese, and he loves watching Japanese anime, and he gets Japanese T-shirt. You can, re- you know, he's just obsessed with anything Japanese. Really passionate, and Lana loves u- playing ukulele and has taught herself as well. So I, I'm just loving that. Oh, so wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I just would not have been motivated to teach myself anything. <laughs> when I was that age, because, you know, we were already being teached. (laughs) (laughs) That was it, you know. And, and, you know, and I know we are, you know, I know other um, people that do do life similarly to us and, you know, their children actually really love to teach. I met someone this morning and their child is passionate at 13 about mathematics and asked for a tutor and has a tutor three times a week. So, you know, it can, if you, if you still want your child to be academic, you know, getting out the way, it's just, you know, you can sort of guide them a little bit and, and yes. encourage their loves. But, you know, it depends on the level. I'm, I like to give my children a, a wide scope and give them a lot of opportunities and a lot of, you know, I mean, we used to travel a lot, which really helped, but, you know, show them lots of different modalities and show them lots of different ways of life. Um, when we had our homeschooling community, it's all disbanded now that the kids are a bit older. But, you know, every week we would get um, a parent in our group to teach something either about our life, something we were passionate about, or do fun games, um, to teach mathematical or scientific or English or, you know, things that you'd normally do at school. Yes. And so to expose them to all of that was really important to me so that, you know, they weren't just at home on computers or just at home in their own little bubble. So really, you know, gave the world to them as much as I could. And then from that, I could see the things that inspired them and things that, that didn't. And, you know, it's often surprising, Mary. And I remember like my boy, we once went to Viking knitting, you know, what is Viking knitting? And I thought, Omri's going to hate it. He's going to just, it's not his thing. You need patience. It's, you know, stitch by stitch. All the children did their Viking knitting, all went off to play, and guess who was there, <laughs> fully immersed with his needles. And, you know, then we went to the shop and got his own needles and got the wire and, you know, and then he had a month or two of being a knitter. Absolute surprise. There's no way, you know, that th- that morning I would have said no way. It's yeah. just not. But, you know, and, and possibly if he was feeling a little bit more antsy, he wouldn't have wanted to sit down and concentrate, you know. I, I just, if he hadn't been feeling centred, who knows, maybe that was a control pattern as well and maybe that helped him distract himself from his feelings. But, you know, didn't matter. He was happy doing it and he loved doing it. And it was, yeah, it was quite interesting to watch, you know. It's mm. interesting to watch how these things unfold. Yes. I love the surprise element of it. It's, yes, um, always interesting. Yeah. Um, how about de-schooling yourself? Did you, how was that process for you to, to get? Yeah. So, so de-schooling myself was easy because I've always been a little bit of a 
rebel you know i don't I, it's from from a young child i was always the black sheep i i i i always i could i remember being really young and thinking institutions don't work um i always observed the world through a different lens than you know say my sisters did and um you know as i got older and went to university and you know did history of art because i just thought I, there's no way i want to do a nine to five job you know, i just i've never really conformed not not for any other reason other than i just it just didn't really feel like that's what life was about for me i really love freedom and choice and you know as i got older then having children you know went you know had had, had home births because again you know that institute of hospitals just didn't just didn't ring true to me and you know so really everything i've done has been a little bit left of center and although i find it interesting that i look like i'm the one that's doing things slightly strange i actually find schooling very strange and you know not not trying not to be judgmental but to me it just doesn't doesn't compute in my head um and, he, and I know it's a necessity for some families and even things like daycare, you know, it just wasn't for me. And I just, it's not my philosophy. I, I had children because I really wanted to be with them. I didn't want to ever farm them out. And I'm just so lucky I and privileged to be able to, have, you know, have that. It, it hasn't always been easy. You know, I've had to be quite creative and find ways of making money at home. Um, and again, thanks to you with the field work that you introduced me to. That was such another big passion that ties in here. Um, but yeah, so I've always been slightly different and I knew that my children were going to be raised slightly in a slightly different way than your average child. And we were also really lucky to have had a, an amazingly supportive homeschooling community. I'm not sure what I would have done without people like Joss in my life. Um, because living so differently can sometimes, when it's not working as smoothly as you want it to be can sometimes be quite difficult and that's when you need someone that you can phone up and just go ah, ah, ah. <laughs> no and we I, i'm very confident now and sitting back going yeah yeah life's great it's all worked out but i have had my absolute moments of sheer terror going oh my goodness what am i doing my children just want to play with play-doh that's all they're doing will they ever get on in life and they're just going to be living on the streets and, you know, <laughs> freaking out. Yes. Um, and I still probably have slight freak out sometimes, but they much less than when they were younger, because the more, so you asked me about de-schooling, I'm going about mm -hmm. it a long way, but de-schooling myself also was a process and I'll probably still de-school for the rest of my life, you know, even when the children leave school, because it is, it's so different from from the norm and from what society expects of us and it's almost you know I, i'm interested in de-schooling and and it takes different families different amount you know sometimes it takes years sometimes people get it instantly and they go straight into the you know they take to it like a duck to water as i did but um i, I do find that concept i think it should be talked about a little bit more because people sort of just assume they can pull their kids out of school and then they go oh and they freak out and often we'll send their kids back to school without giving them time to sort of percolate and I, you know I know there are some books that do talk about that 
important phase. But um, again, I, I can't really imagine how I would have de-schooled if I didn't have aware parenting part of the puzzle because it really did help me so much. And it's, um, yeah, I just, yeah. You've got me thinking now. No, like, yeah, a little it. bit, a yeah. little bit more, yeah. yeah. Do you, uh, if you could go back, if you could time travel back to your uh, yourself watching them do play, playing Play-Doh all the time, uh, what would you like to say to that younger you? Oh, I really wish that, I mean, you know, I'm not one that ever looks back and regrets or anything, but if I could, and because I'm being asked this, <laughs> I really, and even with the sleep, I wish I had been able to not stress so much about the external factors and actually just worked on connecting with myself and connecting with my children and connecting with what's going on. And although I did an incredible job looking back, sometimes I wonder how with such sleep deprivation and, you know, and money worries when they were young and, you know, and relationship issues and oh, all the rest of stuff that, you know, that life was sort of throwing at me back then. Yes. I, you know, I am amazed at, at how I got through. I even wonder how I drove a car with such little sleep. I probably maybe shouldn't have done, but as a mother, something else must kick in to help you drive a car when you've had 20 minutes of sleep in the night and um, crying children. But um, yeah, I wish I had just been a bit more trusting and trusted the process like I do now. Um, and also just a lovely reminder that we're here for such a short time on this planet and what do we want? How do we want to use that time? And my answer is, you know, an unresounding, I just want to hang out with the people I love. Even though some days I don't want to do that, that's also <laughs> fine, but I just want to, you know, live a really big and beautiful heart-centered life. And homeschooling and aware parenting have absolutely allowed me to, to live that life. So. Yeah. Oh, so yummy. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really, really is. And I, I'd love to, you know, I hope that these conversations can inspire people and, you know, young mothers, because, you know, it's a big, scary world out there and we have more information that it's coming at us left, right and centre and, you know, and there are more options of schooling. You know, it's not just that you, like in the old days where you just did it and you didn't question it. You know, I've often talked to my mum about things like this and she says, you know, we, in a way we didn't have all these parenting books. So we just did it and got on with it and that was it. But it's now we have, you know, gosh, there's, there's as many forms as homeschooling as there are children in the world. Yes. It's ever made, I also love that the dynamism. I love that it's so dynamic. Um, and so different but that I also understand that for people new to this it can be really daunting and really scary and and I have chosen to support lots of friends or you know friends of friends it's a real passion of mine so if people say oh do you mind if you know so and so gives you a call because they're thinking of homeschooling I it's always a yes if I have time I will absolutely oh. do that sometimes sometimes I think maybe I go too far in the like the radical unschooling part of it and maybe you know might be a bit more daunting but I'm always available to you know walk the talk and to inspire anyone and with aware parenting always happy to to discuss this 
And I love that when I talk about these things to people, I mean, first of all, my inner passion, I light up, like I can feel myself lighting up and getting more chatty and into it. Yes. But um, I really love that I can see people also going, aha, oh, oh, right, wow. And, you know, I've never talked to anyone about this that said, oh, God, no, that sounds awful, dreadful, no way. <laughs> you know, it's just, to yeah. me, it's almost a no-brainer, especially the aware parenting part of it. Yeah. Um, because really the argument there is it's better out than in. Feelings are there to be felt. Love them. And whatever needs to come up will. And it's, you know, no one's ever been able to argue that point differently. <laughs> yes. Because it's just, it really is a no-brainer. And it's, um, yeah, so I like to inspire people to, with, you know, oh, as much as I can. Which you so yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you. The joy just exudes out of you and the joy of this journey and the joy of being so deeply connected to i'm glad you can feel that because you know i have i i we've had a few crazy past few days and exhaustion and no sleep and i thought oh i hope i'm you know i hope i actually make sense and don't just babble but yeah the, the inner joy is there for me and i just i really do you know and you know really interesting with this aware parenting as well because Omri broke his arm, as I said, a few days ago. And I, you know, instead of like trying to fix, I mean, once that arm was fixed, once those needs, yeah. it was just so lovely to watch him deal with the emotions that came up because bit by bit he realized, oh no, I'm not going to be able to kendama for six weeks. And, you know, and that's his biggest passion. And, oh, you know, I'm not going to be able to swim or skimboard or do all the things that he loves. Yes. And rather than, you know, be a parent going, Oh no, you're okay. Don't, you know, you'll be fine. And try to distract him. I just yeah. sat there and nodded and went, yeah, it sucks, buddy. That's yeah. shit. And I'm sorry. And also being interesting, Marion, to watch how he's dealt with the pain because in hospital, they were desperately trying to pump him full. And he was just saying, actually, no, I'm okay. I can breathe through it. I'll let you know. And I was like, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. the less stuff inside. I mean, you yeah. know, it's there for him. I'm not that yeah. hardcore that I won't let him. But, yeah. And I noticed when he was eight years old as well, and he'd had a, an accident with his, involving his toe, and they kept trying to put the funny gas on him. And he said, I don't like the smell. I don't like the feeling. I just I don't want to be floaty. I just want to breathe through it. Right. And I could see he was in, you know, injecting his toe, and I'm there sort of yeah. all squeamish, and he yes. could deal with it. And I'm yeah. sure that I yes. credit that to aware parenting. Yes. And, and, you know, and even now I've said, look, there's painkillers here if you need them. Just let me know. And he's like, you know, no, I've got this mum. I'll, I'll take one maybe at bedtime and then bedtime will come and he'll check in with his body. And, you know, and I just think that's, that's wonderful. And, and I, I also love that, you know, that aware parenting um, the side of it that shows that if you can feel these feelings without having to suppress them, then you are much less likely to take on damaging addictions when you're older yeah and I've you know especially when it comes to things like painkillers because I've got friends of mine who are quite hooked on them and I've seen what it's done to their lives so that's quite an important part of aware parenting to me yeah absolutely. they can just feel it all yeah, yeah, that's such a big question, isn't it? Because I so often had in early years, and I imagine you have as parents with younger children, like, well, what do I do if they're, you know, if they're, they're in physical pain? And do I distract them? And do I don't? And, and I always say again, you know, it's like, it's so different for each parent and each child. But to know Absolutely. that, that um, 
you know that there is a way to actually support us yeah. it's not only the emotional pain but actually to be able to feel physically yeah. uncomfortable sensations in our bodies and to be able to do that and i know for me it's been a huge journey to to actually gain that capacity and it's yeah. so empowering isn't it absolutely and also knowing when you need to suppress yes. the pain when it's too much yeah. or when you need to have a control pattern to yes. stop this because it's just sometimes it's too yes. much yes. and i love that because it, yes. it, it takes away the guilt and it's just yeah. and that deep level of trust i do remember when you were saying this um i do remember when i was new to aware parenting we were at school and i remember the kids would maybe fall and hurt themselves and i'd hold them and they'd be screaming you know bleeding from the knees yeah and all these well-intended beautiful mothers especially there was fathers there as well that would gather yeah. around trying to feed my children like brandy flavored drops of rescue remedy yes and i would just be you know fighting them off going no thanks no thanks they're fine they're, and they would look at me like oh my goodness me you know and just i just never wanted them to to have to have brandy, especially when they were crying at age three years old or yes. any kind of, you know, anything that would suppress them feeling their pain because I could see that when they cried, the pain lessened as well. And, and exactly. you know, and then once they finished their cry, we could deal with it. And if they wanted stuff then, then we could talk about it. But you know, my children never took Panadol. They never chose to have any of that growing up. Yep. And thank, thank heavens, because it's horrible stuff. Especially the children's one is like pink and tastes all artificial and awful. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe this maybe they'll who knows what will happen when they're older. But right now, at this you know, both of them in one in late teens and one being fourteen, I can see that this has really worked. The whole my experiment <laughs> with yes. whatever kind of schooling we're doing and yes. whatever kind of you know aware parenting form i'm taking it's all working because i have really chilled out fabulous funny children so yes yeah yay so yeah. one to see that yeah. that stereotype of teenagers is so much just part of the, the culture and part of how teenagers often get treated and thought about and actually it's not yeah. true at all that they're gorgeous humans gorgeous <laughs> lovely humans really. and uh, marion i have this theory that children teenagers are probably grumpy because they actually do need like luca uh, she's not so much a 17 but since she was 12 she has needed 12 hours sleep and if she didn't get that she would be grumpy and i'm absolutely convinced that if the entire teenage population of the world could just get the sleep they needed all that teenage angst, doing most of it, would go, would would disappear. You know, it's um, it and it's interesting. We sort of, I had a really good friend round recently, and uh, we were having a cup of tea at my kitchen table, and I had another a new friend round, and um, lovely older lady, and Luca woke up, came out, she was sort of you know making herself breakfast, and my new friend went up to her, looked her in the eyes, and said, "Oh dear." all that teenaged angst, don't worry, it will be over soon. And you know, and she sort of really meant well. And Luca looked at me like, what is this woman talking about? And my friend looked at me going, angst is the last thing Luca has. She's, you know, sometimes I wish she had more anger and, you know, and it's just interesting that that's what teenagers are thought of. And, you know, Luca's not like that at all. And I'm not saying she doesn't get angry, but it's just not her MO. She's not, it's not where she lives her life from. So. Yes, I think teenagers do have a bad rap, as do toddlers. Exactly, yeah. What is a terrible two? I think they're terrific. I know, I know. Lovely, two and three-year-olds. Well, every yeah. age, 
gorgeous. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But I also understand that if I hadn't found a way of parenting, yeah. I would be thinking it was pretty terrible as well, you know, and I'd probably still be sleep deprived. <laughs> and then, you know, it would be even worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yum. Uh, any last words that you want to share with the listeners around around mm-hmm. aware parenting and natural learning? Anything that you'd love to, if anyone's thinking about it or like, just like, like what would you like to say to them? Um, if anyone's thinking about it, I would really encourage them to take that leap of faith. And it is a big leap of faith, but absolutely guaranteed that the ground will come up to meet you i don't know how the ground will come up to meet you but it absolutely (laughs) will come up to meet you but there is a few things there's sort of a caveat in that that um you really have to check in on your capacity to be with children and to be with their feelings and it's you know it changes day to day hour to hour but the the driving force for me was always knowing that i wanted to be with my children in whatever capacity they were at. And unfortunately we had a, you know, there was an epiphany moment when the children were very young because Luca lost a, a sister when she was five on her dad's side. And that just woke me up and I just went, wow, this child is, you know, one and a half being diagnosed with a terrible um, form of brain cancer. And she lived for a year and, you know, horribly chemo and all the rest of the stuff that they, they did to her. And then she ended up passing away at two and a half. And when she did then my life, just, you know, the carpet was pulled out from all of our, under all of us and I just went actually what is going on what do I want I absolutely want to be with my children so that was when I pulled them out of school and never looked back so I think you know some people don't have the capacity to be with their children as much as homeschooling requires and that's also okay and if you don't have a support network I've seen some families where school would have actually been a better option because the parents were losing the plot on a daily basis and it was just a toxic situation. School would have been much less stressful for those families. But if your heart is in it and if you've got the aware parenting piece as well, and even if you don't, um, I'd love people to just take that leap and, and try it. And, you know, if it fails, then there's always school waiting for them. I sort of wish sometimes there was a half school. They do that sometimes here. There are places where you can go for two days so the children can cover the curriculum and then you can just have lots of fun. And, you know, there's more progressive schools and um, there's not as many as there probably should be. And, you know, like the, what's the the famous one? It's not, uh, there's a famous one in the States, you know, where the kids can sort of create their own, not Sudbury, Sudbury? Sudbury. Sudbury. Yeah, there you go. You know, that's that's lovely. You know, a happy medium would be lovely. I, I may have taken it up when the children were younger Um, and especially you know it depends on your your state and it depends on what state you're living in I meant as well as emotional state but you know (laughs) WA we're so lucky because we're actually allowed to homeschool and we just have one hour a year with someone checking up on us so it's and the moderator's lovely so and she's very supportive of natural learning but you know there are some people that need to do a lot more and the requirements are are high and stressful and, and awful and curriculums oh oh trying to understand them all that teacher speak you know it's no wonder they go to university for so long to learn it and then to expect us to do that yeah is hard but um where there's a will there's a way marion i absolutely believe that yes yeah so yummy yay so if people want to come and learn more about you and and come and talk to you and and 
have more of your wonderfulness where are you what are you doing well i'm you know as i do everything in life i'm very informal um i think you'll put me on facebook i think they can find me through messenger i don't have a website i don't have anything joss and i have been talking about doing things but music festivals and the beach have sort of gotten in the way of our lives lately being you know a lovely summer here um so there's nothing formal in place but always happy to to help people with you know any aspect of this and you know as an aside my speciality is play and play and learning is a whole other podcast we can oh let's do one <laughs> we can absolutely yeah you know because we have done it i've lived it i've seen how children can learn yes you know you can sort of teach them stealthily you know without them really realizing they're being taught um through play and joy and then it makes learning fun and, and wonderful and not, not drudgery, not something that they have to do. But we can, yeah, we'll revisit that at a later date. Yes, and uh, we did do a Facebook Live on my Marion Rose PhD Facebook page some while back. When would that have been? Was that January? Oh, I think it actually was. was. it last year? Yeah. Oh, January 2021. Um, anyway, if you go and go to my Facebook page and put in Kiara in the search, I'm sure it will, you'll find it or look up videos so we did that that was super fun i'm happy to answer questions for anyone that has questions about what i've said today um so yeah facebook's probably the easiest place to find me i'm not i, I check messenger i'm sort of leaving facebook as a you know as a platform so i only have about 98 friends on it and most of them are family but you know you can catch me through messenger great and um I've loved this talk. I always love so our talk. I know, me it's too. It's so, so lovely reconnecting with you after I so know, many years. I know, me too. I'm so lovely. Yeah. 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 So thank yeah. you. And thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, listeners. I imagine you're feeling inspired and um, I'm feeling like, yeah, I'm feeling inspired. I always feel inspired by you, Kiara. So oh, that's lovely, so Mary. So right sorry. back at you. Yay. And uh, big love to you. Big love to Beautiful. our listeners. And see you next time. Thank you. Bye everyone. Thank you very much. Bye love.